Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shurton Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We're serious about our food in South Louisiana, and food-related businesses are as interesting and varied as are our own family recipes for gumbo and oyster dressing. As the food industry becomes more complex and sophisticated, there are ever more opportunities for entrepreneurs to craft new business models and come up with new ways of serving an ever-expanding clientele. Joining me today is Emily Carlson, an advertising account leader with a local ad agency devoted exclusively to servicing clients in the food business. The firm is aptly named Fridge and has developed an expertise in everything related to the business of food, from production, packaging, labeling, and licensing to regulations, retail, and everything in between. Among its clients you may know are Mellow Mushroom, Abita Beer, and PJ's Coffee. Now, Fridge is a division of a larger agency called People Who Think, which also runs and owns innovative advertising and innovative politics. Emily is an Illinois native who began her career with South Louisiana ad agencies nearly a decade ago. She joined People Who Think in 2010 and has helped grow its food business. Emily, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks Thanks for for joining me. me. And joining me and Emily is a well-known local restaurateur who needs no help branding but is well-versed in the challenges of running your own food business. She is Stephanie Ferries, and her business is Zeeland Street Market, a beloved neighborhood restaurant that serves up soul food-inspired home cooking, plate lunches and gourmet sandwiches, as well as comfort food breakfast dishes. Stephanie started the business more than 25 years ago near the Perkins Road overpass and has become a neighborhood institution. She's also an advocate of healthy living and healthy eating, and her original recipes are designed with fresh, locally sourced, and when possible, low-fat ingredients in mind. Stephanie, we're so excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining us on Out to Lunch. Well, Emily, you do advertising for businesses and political clients, but your food niche through Fridge is is particularly what I thought was so interesting. How receptive has the local restaurant and food retail community been to an agency that specializes in food? Because it seems like such a great idea. Why aren't other people doing this? I think they've been extremely receptive. I think we sort of have a different approach where we go in and we sort of we look at the whole picture. We're really interested in the operational side and Mm -hmm. how that aligns with marketing. And so, you know, you can do an ad campaign and it can be beautiful, but it ultimately has to work. Right. So when we uh, have new clients on, we sit down with front of house and back of house and really understand the business and any challenges they might uh, might face and, and tackle those. And what kind of challenges are unique to the food industry? Well, um, you know, ultimately sales are are important. So we look at ticket average. We look at, you know, day parting. Is it, uh, uh, you know, do you have a lower crowd for lunch or 
is your dinner crowd better and sort of what those challenges are and, and how that all works And how together. much of it do you think is marketing versus like quality of the food? Like, I think I mean, it you all go has and to say, work oh, together. Oh gosh, yeah. here's food things. Yeah, I think it, it needs to work together and we only like to take on brands that we really believe in and have that quality. We don't want to be just selling things that aren't true. Yeah. Um, so we go in and we really look at, you know, what even are the, what's the setup? When you walk in, what's the first thing that you see? Are the chairs weird? Are they uncomfortable? We look at the entire experience and really get down to that emotional aspect because ultimately with food, it is emotional and um, that's what that's what the sell is. So interesting. It sounds like a lot of fun. And Stephanie, I'm not saying you need this kind of service, but I'm sure you understand the challenges. And well, as a, I know she's exactly what I need. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk. Thank you, Stephanie, <laughs> for introducing us because everything she just mentioned is like three employees or myself because it's very hard in the restaurant business to cake, to not only produce the food, but to do all the advertising, the branding, and the producing of other things that, that we need to um, get our name out there, our brand out there, who we are. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> because I haven't heard of an agency like this, but I often thought that there needed to be yeah. someone for the restaurant. That really industry. specializes yeah. in that. And what, what I think people love about Zealand Street Market is that it's so authentic. I mean, Baton Rouge has a great, like, you know, quick serve. We're a strong market for that. But I don't feel like we have enough really local places and neighborhood institutions where you get really quality food, you know? Well, recently we've been looking around and... Uh, Trying to figure out where what our niche is. What are what are the trends that are going on now, and are we still going to be a part of the future? And what we realize is, we're still going to be a part is, of the future. Well, you yes, better be. Yes, we are because there's no one else basically like us that's producing fresh food every day. You know, mm -hmm. and, and it's not mass produced. It's you come in and there's 30 meatloafs, and that's all I made today. Mm -hmm. So it. It, it needs to be that Baton Rouge has to understand what the food is out there. Mm -hmm. Is it mass produced somewhere else? Right. Or is it cooked in house? Right. And, and Emily, that's probably the kind of messaging you could help Stephanie with. Are your services at Fridge, mm -hmm. is it affordable for a, a a locally you know one-off restaurant or it is we have clients of all different sizes um, you know and we also do some consulting work where we could just go in and have these conversations and and talk it through um, but you know one thing that we have really enjoyed and been focused on is social media and how that sort of late uh, leveled the playing field with small companies and um, you know private companies being able to do their own thing for $50 when you know a TV commercial would cost thousands so it's been a, a huge benefit in that way when you go into a restaurant let's pretend like Zealand Street was your client sort of what's the mm -hmm. um, what's the rundown of how, how does it start you know you go in and you take a look and you eat her delicious sure so I think it actually starts before you walk in in the door and I think nowadays with digital being so prevalent we would probably I, I would google it so I think that's something that uh, small businesses could could easily do on their own is like, when was the last time you Googled your, your business to see what comes up? Mm -hmm. um, you know, is it searchable? Is it coming up? Are the directions there? Does it have any reviews and beautiful photos? What are people saying about it? So that would be sort of the first thing. And then we like to go in and just experience it just like a regular customer. But, you, you know, of course, the wheels are spinning a little bit. 
what does your menu look like? Is it a, a good flow? Does it make sense? You know, do you have too many things on the menu that how could you possibly do, do it well if there are 800 items on your menu kind of thing? So sort of looking at the whole experience and then taking that back and understanding what your company is about. We really want to be true to our brands and understand their, their message and their goals. Mm -hmm. Now, Stephanie, as I said, y'all are a neighborhood institution. You have a devoted following. What's the genesis of, of Zealand Street Market? How did you get started? And were you always a food aspiring chef, restaurateur, or did you fall into it? <laughs> yes. All of Let's the above? See. I lived on Zealand Street for 18 to 20 years, uh -huh. and we still have a house there. And Zealand Street was a convenience store. The that market was dying. Okay. I came in, I started to run the deli, and within three years, the owner wanted to get out of the business. So we sort of traded, and I took over the convenience store. I slowly turned it into a restaurant. Interesting. I did not realize. At the time, I was in uh, graduating from criminal justice. Okay. And I was in my first year of law school. And I was running the restaurant. And I, it dawned on me that I really needed to give this more time before I put all my time into law school. And after staying there a year, I realized I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to be happy. That was some sound advice from my grandmother was choose something that you can be happy at every day. It's not mundane. It's not the same old thing every day. It's a challenge. And that's what Zealand Street is. It has become. And it's just grown from there. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Now, I know one of the, the trends in food today is just like outbound marketing. You know, we see it sort of with food trucks and certainly mm -hmm. with services like Waiter or Uber Eats, bringing food to the customers rather than customers mm -hmm. coming to you. Is that something that y'all have explored and do you all help customers or clients with that? Yeah, have you guys explored that? We're exploring it right now. I think Zealand Street currently is more of a sit down, feel good, um, soul food um, experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it could be a little bit different with people bringing it to you, mm -hmm. but of course we want to offer that because some people just can't get there. Right. So uh, we're looking forward to expanding on hours, of course, still looking for uh, workers. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that are going on is so many restaurants have come to town and you almost need a, a, a broker. Yeah. Finding you need skilled workers. Someone's finding the skilled workers for you mm -hmm. because uh, management spends a lot of time looking for work well I know that's a, a huge problem mm -hmm. I mean, do you hear that from other restaurants that y'all work with Emily we, we do and it's really interesting because we value food so much and it's become so popular and so trendy um, but there is sort of a disconnect with that oh wait we need these people to be in the industry and go to school for it and and work and it's not necessarily always a glamorous job um, but it's an important one and it can be incredible so there and, is a need and so many culinary programs now that are in Nichols and Louisiana Culinary Institute and BRCC and they're not producing enough people to to staff your I place don't know. That you're I don't finding. know where they're going maybe they're not <laughs> staying in Baton Rouge yeah they're moving and I, on. I think there's a level of of sort of you know this glamorized idea of what a chef is especially with the celebrity 
aspect no and not you know just we need regular workers too and it's not always gonna be you're not gonna be on top chef necessarily exactly exactly no, this, it's a lot of grunt work every day to produce great food yeah well does owning a restaurant or working in them ruin eating out for you <laughs> It, mm. For me, I think it's probably more just annoying to be my company and, you know, because I'm always commenting <laughs> on the little things and I can't really turn my brain off, but I, I still love it. It's still so enjoyable. Sometimes I think we need to sit back and look at what is food for. It's really for the energy that we need to produce in our lives. So whether it's we're going out for a special birthday or something like that, I tend to go home and cook. I do go out and take my children and things for special occasions, but after cooking all day or in the restaurant business, you want something that's affordable and fresh or good. So you'll go mm -hmm. home and cook after being in the kitchen all day? Yes. You know what's in it, too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's great. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Stephanie Ferries of Zeeland Street Market and Emily Carlson of Fridge. Do you have food expertise, Emily? Or, I mean, does, does Fridge help advise clients on, you know, it, you better improve this recipe or make the fish better or make the meatloaf less so, salty? Or do you all hire food consultants to help them with um, that aspect? A little bit of both. I would say our owner would consider himself an expert. Okay. Um, you know, we're always staying on top of the trends. We're going to the food shows that are held every year um, and sort of keeping an eye on that. We definitely have some input with, um, like, research and development and help, you know, hey, maybe you should consider this offering. Um, but, you know, we also let them do what they're good at. Just sort of guide them a little bit along the way. And then, I mean, do they use metrics to evaluate the success of your services? Or is it Absolutely. based strictly on sales? Absolutely. Or how do you it depends on what the objective is. But I think one of the great things with digital is that we're able to have a clear understanding of how the campaign or whatever we did performed. And that's been uh, really beneficial to, to both sides of the thing. So we're able to say, listen, we just spent $5,000 on whatever and you got $10,000 of business out of it. And we can clearly see the analytics and there was the a conversion and there was a real investment. return, yeah. Well, ladies, let's switch gears for a moment. This is a part of the show we call another great idea. So maybe you've got a friend who's always got a great idea for you, telling you about a job to apply for, or somebody you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment <laughs> opportunity. You should jump on, right? And you can take the advice and it turns out to be great, or perhaps it turns out to be a disaster. Maybe you don't take the advice and you wish you had. Can you think of an example like this, where someone has offered you advice and did you follow up on it, and how did it turn out? Okay, so I, I guess um, something that really did end up changing my life and probably why I'm sitting here today is that originally, um, you know, I had just graduated from Loyola New Orleans, was figuring out what my next steps were, and probably, you know, wanted to stay in the New Orleans area, likely, um, and applying to jobs, found a job at, at Fridge that I applied for, and my parents were both like, you know, I just don't think you should do it. <laughs> and typically, they're extremely supportive and encouraging people, um, but they thought that the commute would be too difficult, that mm -hmm. I wouldn't like it, that maybe it wasn't um, a large enough agency. 
uh, and I obviously did not listen, and <laughs> I took the job, and I've been here almost 10 years. That's excellent. Yeah. So mom and dad mom were and wrong. Mom and dad were wrong, and maybe it was just their fear of their of bridges that they were projecting on me with the Causeway Bridge. But <laughs> Well, and people project. And th- but, I mean, that's interesting because, you know, Advice isn't always good it advice. Is. You, I think you still have to be true to yourself. So. Right. True to yourself is, yeah. is the lesson there, for sure. Well, I have a similar story <laughs> that it was sort of bad advice, but I took it wholeheartedly. My mother-in-law told us when we were um, opening the restaurant that she knew people who knew more people that could really cook, that could, you know, they were chefs or, and that... Um, we probably wouldn't make it in the restaurant business oh. for over a year. Maybe I should stick with school. Oh, wow. And so I took that to say, you know what? I need to work as hard as I can in this industry and shine because I really like people. So I decided to, t- to turn that around and I wanted to treat each customer like a friend. If you come in and I don't know you, I will ask you your name and befriend you. And so that has been my longevity in the business is to work hard, produce good food, and make sure that I know my customer and they know me. That is wonderful. That's awesome. And and I mean, I think the kind of place where everybody knows your name, I mean you're like a, a neighborhood cheers, except you're not a bar. <laughs> I hate to say that, why, but that's I mean, true. but why don't you think we there are a ton of places like that in New Orleans. Why are there not more places like that in Baton Rouge? Because the topography of the city is laid out that the small neighborhoods you don't have it anymore the mom and pops um the franchises came in the numerous restaurants came in when i started there were 600 restaurants i think there's over 1600 now but the thing that i'd like to say since 2008 to now women more than 40 percent across the united states have opened new restaurants Really? Women? Yes, women. Wow. It's not happening. Huh. And I don't see that in Baton Rouge. I don't think I really see it in Louisiana happening that women are totally being the owners themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true across yeah. across industries, not just restaurants right. or food. You know, I think that's true in general and in I don't know Louisiana. What, what does that say about us? What does that say about Baton Rouge that we're tending to support bigger business instead of the smaller mm-hmm. mom and pops or the individually sole owners. Mm-hmm. Well, and in your neighborhood and say the mid-city area, I think you do see that change. It's coming back. It's coming back. It's just, we're slower here to adopt, you know, trends and changes, I would think. Are there other firms doing what Fridge does, say along the 1012 corridor? Um, I would say we're probably... Specifically food related. I would say we're unique in that we're very focused on the food and beverage industry. There are certainly other agencies that, you know, have a a toe in the water, but um, this is something that's really our passion and we enjoy it, you know, and that's why it's been successful is because it's been something we actually like to do and <laughs> want to be a part of. And it's probably a lot more fun than, than the political clients, I would imagine. <laughs> yes, and I am um, fortunate enough is that I don't have to touch that aspect of the business, so I am head down focused on food. <laughs> is there any overlap between, say, the food or the politics or the regular garden variety ad agency clients? Um, not really. I would say that we are able to take some um, aspects 
interests of, say, a corporate client, whether it's oil and gas or whatever, and apply that to the food industry. And I think that's been kind of interesting having these, hey, different perspectives, you know, like, hey, we just did this one thing and it was a great success. And how could that potentially apply to a different part of the industry? Mm-hmm. What I'd like to see happen uh, maybe is attracting more of the corporate big business to cater to the smaller restaurants to order their lunches or to order mm-hmm. some catering and not just continue to go to the same old, excuse me, restaurants that have been getting their business for the last yeah. 25, 30 years. Because we're out there, we're producing great food every day that's really um, shows our southern aspects of culinary skills. So that we get in there and we can do lima yeah. beans, butter beans, okra. Things that you don't find on most menus no every day. Yeah. Meatloaf. Yeah. No question. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes down to the visibility and making sure that these smaller brands are visible and not being crowded by the big guy and, you know, that you do offer that. So I think that is a real opportunity. Now, you plan the menus every day, Stephanie, and you decide what you're going to make and, and you get back there. And <laughs> I wish get I could say that. <laughs> no, we have customers that have been eating there, and I do plan it, but they they will put their input into it. Will they? I, today is smothered chicken today, and if I switch it to chicken and dumplings or something like that, I will get a telephone call from <laughs> Miss Sissy or someone that didn't get That's their smothered fantastic. chicken. And so do you make like 30 smothered chickens every Thursday or 30 meatloafs on Mondays or what? Yes. On, really? Uh, typically, well, not so much the numbers, but yes, we have a, a, a chicken or, or pork on Mondays. And then, you know, Tuesdays are meatloaf, Wednesdays are fried chicken. No one <laughs> wants to touch fried chicken anymore, so they really come out for that. Is that true because it's so labor-intensive? It's labor-intensive. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we only fry on Wednesdays and Fridays. Interesting. And so that's another aspect of, uh, you know, we do basically everything is baked or broiled or on the grill. We don't really fry. Because you, you do keep want it to healthy. be healthy. Yeah. yeah. You get that special I treat every once in a while. I am a Mississippi girl in a Louisiana world. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they that different? <laughs> well, I tend to cook more vegetables and less, um, you know, frying. Um, okay. If you want to be healthy your whole life, I'm um, with you there. Steph, Emily, I mean, what would you advise Stephanie and, and Zealand Street Market based on what you've heard so far? Oh, good question. I mean, it sounds like you're doing a great job. You have the, the personality of the restaurant down and the brand, and I think it just sounds like more of a visibility, um, you know, opportunity and getting in front of people maybe creating it can be simple you know creating flyers and going to those local businesses to offer those catering options for lunch and checking your reviews making sure you're active on social media um little steps but i mean the foundation is there and it sounds like you're doing quite well foundation is definitely there i know you wanted to expand a couple of years ago stephanie into dinner has that happened or panned out somewhat and it hasn't happened yet but it's on the table right as we speak. Uh, we'll we'll be announcing. It all depends on the staffing. I will not, ex- you know, just put myself out there without the staff. So you have to really train them. Mm-hmm. And I'm working with my people right now to come up with the exact dates. Mm-hmm. How has Waiter changed things? I know I talked about 
changes. Yeah, right. so it's been it's been interesting with Uber Eats and all these uh, delivery companies. I think it's sort of uh, twofold. It's positive in that people are able to get what they want on demand, um, and it is able to maybe generate some new business for restaurants that they wouldn't have seen otherwise. Their ex- you know customers are exposed to restaurants yeah. that they're not driving by every day. Um, and then the flip side is that it does take away from that experience that you're you're going to get when you're in a restaurant. Um, if a restaurant is extremely busy, I don't think their to-go orders or their Uber Eats or waiter orders coming in are necessarily a priority. So maybe the food, by the time the food gets there, it's cold. Some sure. of the food isn't even meant to be traveled, you know? Like, right. Um, I think you have to think about should the packaging change or do we need to only offer a smaller menu for these to go things so that they can actually really enjoy what you're serving i'm glad you seem like you have thought about that because that's exactly why we're not with them yet yeah because of the time limit it's a big commitment and then it could be a huge you could get you know 20 phone calls and that could be during your rush hour right i rarely get an order wrong within a year i might have one call back so because we're actually doing it for the individual that walks in the door mm-hmm. or calls me on the phone personally that we don't get anything wrong and then no one complains because it's still warm by the time they get it. I'm wary of how long their window yep. is before the food travels. Yeah. And would, fried chicken, for example, probably wouldn't be a good Fried chicken one. wouldn't work. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> and, so. But, I mean, waiter claims to add like $30,000 a month to a restaurant's business. I, that seems very... Uh, it's tempting. It's yeah. tempting, but you also have to think about the negativity that could smack you right back. Yeah. yeah. If you have a bad review or, um, you know, you might need to hire additional people to help with those orders if you're ready for that commitment. Throw off the whole model. Yeah, it kind of shifts the model, and you could have an empty restaurant and all the phone calls coming in. So it's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Emily Carlson and Stephanie Ferries, you both have such an interesting perspective on the local food industry, and you are bringing so much to the table. No pun intended. It's great to see businesses such as yours thriving in the local economy. So good luck with your future plans, and thanks so much for being here today on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Stephanie Ferries of Zeeland Street Market and Emily Carlson of Fridge. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website. It's batonrouge.la and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. These photos were taken by Carrie Hosford. You can find more of Carrie's photos at carriehosford.com. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 
Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank with locations throughout the state including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas and by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.